All right, all right, all right. Welcome to this special episode of Warrior Week Parables from the Pit. Uh, my guest is uh, is uh, my teacher, my mentor, my spiritual teacher and mentor, uh, Master Cole. Master Cole, welcome to the office. Hey, Sam, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I know you've been traveling a lot, so we're. Uh, it's an honor to have you in our location. Um, you've uh, driven two hours just to be here. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, a busy man like yourself, so it mattered for you to be here, and we're going to find out why. We don't really know why you're here, <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to find out. And um, so uh, before we start that, uh, what, has been, uh, what has been the latest, latest, latest um, impression of the best from the East? Well, when you say the East, you talk about Eastern spiritual stuff. Yes, eh? yes. Well, uh, it's been the same for thousands of thousands of years. More importantly, is being able to take this Eastern philosophy and teachings and share it with the public, you know, the Western mind, which normally, you know, has difficulty understanding the esoteric or the more, let's just say, intangible stuff. So the ability to share to them, the opportunity to share it with them, like, you know, as you know, I was with uh, Tony Robbins for the last two years now. Yeah. And to be able to share these Eastern traditions through Western mind is one of the most gratifying things for me. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, and I'll get to the, story, uh, to the story how I got to you, uh, which has everything to do with Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are no coincidences. But uh, just your recent experience with Tony Robbins was just this past uh, past weekend, right? In Palm Beach? or Yes, do a date with Destiny just uh, last week, a few days ago. How many people? Uh, 5,000. 5,000, okay. Yeah. And uh, so we'll get to talk about that. But I'll share with I'll share with the audience and yourself. I, I already shared this with you, but I'll share with the audience as well how I got to meet with you. Um, I was I was at Warrior Week 43, which was almost a year ago when, uh, when I was in the room and I was teaching the guys some stuff and... The guys went for a walk and came back, and I started writing on on my board, and I started writing, I am that I am. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And so I called Garrett, uh, and I'm like, Garrett, you know, I came up with this cool thing. It says, I am that I am. He goes, you do know that that has been existing for the past 2,000 years. I go, oh, really? He goes, yeah, this is what this is what was revealed to Moses and so on. So I called my Jewish friend and say, hey, is this true? <laughs> it goes, yeah, it goes something like this and that. And so I go, okay, I guess it was meant to be. So that was a f the first time when I came familiar with the, the statement, I am that I am. The reason why I'm telling you this is because shortly after that, I receive a Facebook message from someone that I don't even interact with. This is a, this is a person that I went with to a Tony Robbins event. One day we became friends and that's that has been the the extender of our communication and friendship. And he's sending me these images of you teaching mm -hmm. the I am that I am uh, um, uh, uh, course. And, and he's like, hey, this is great, Sam. You should check this out. I'm like, this guy doesn't even know me. But so I start looking at the content and the material and it, this I am that I am keeps coming up. Uh -huh. I go, okay. And then I say, okay, well, who's this Master Go? So I Google Master Go and Okay, okay, boom. It just happens to be right here in Anaheim. Uh -huh. uh, and there's a conference that's taking place right here in Anaheim almost like a month after that. I go, okay. And it, it is the I am that I am, of course. It's, it's the, uh, so I'm like, I must go. And I start looking at the calendar, and it's on 
Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. These are the exact three days when we don't have Warrior Weeks. So I'm like, I don't know what this means, but I got to go. And uh, that was the first time when I came into your class. And then and, and, um, I truly found out that is exactly where I needed to be. So I'm telling this story because I didn't plan on meeting you. Oh. And, and, uh, and I didn't know who you were. And the message, like one piece of the puzzle was put together. And it just became clear and clear that I needed to be there. And I needed to learn more. And what I got out of a year that I have been coming to your classes and spending time with you and, and you and I are, you know, uh, friends, we exchange texts and we communicate with each other. What I truly, what my biggest takeaway, Master Go, has been that there comes a time when a man needs to identify a spiritual mentor because the idea of I'm going to do it alone mm -hmm. um, is limited. And, and when a man accepts that, Regardless of where your, uh, you know, background is in religion and beliefs, um, spiritual development to me, what I've learned in the past year is a process of learning, living it, and ultimately leading it, and then coming back to learning, living, and leading. Um, and so I share that with you because it's been a special journey for me because that what I learned from you, I have been giving away to those that I teach. Oh, wonderful. Well, you know, one of the things that um, they say is the more you know, the more you realize how little you know. <laughs> and as a man, you know, a lot of times that hits the ego. Well, I know everything. Yes. And it comes to a point where you realize, okay, you're comfortable with who you are. Then you realize, okay, I know a lot, yet the more I know, I realize there's more for me to learn. Yes. And that humility is actually gives the person, you know, whether male or female, that self-confidence to say, look, I want to be better, so therefore I will seek someone who has accomplished more. And I say that because I myself, my personal journey uh, was like that too. I met my teacher uh, 30 years ago. This is 30 years ago today. Hmm. Well, not today, but you know, this year. Yes. Where uh, my wife fell from four, 14 feet, about three meters, straight in hard concrete and broke her hip. Mm -hmm. And I was in the Philippines then and... I remember uh, the doctor said it'll take three and a half months before the bones will heal that you can walk. I looked around. That's when I met my teacher, you know, Grandmaster Tokok Sui. Took the panicking class, the same one you took with, with me. Yes. And I worked on her. In two weeks, she was walking. In five weeks, she was running. And a lot of this was, I had doubt in my mind. I had no clue what the heck I was doing. But I just wanted to help her. And I was an engineer by trade. So for me, it's results that count. Yes. And from there, I learned about healing. And then I didn't realize that you know, this healing was just a stepping stone because if you say healing, you talk about the body repairing itself so it can be better. But it goes deeper because emotionally, mentally, spiritually, a lot of people go into difficult times in their life. They also need to be healed there. And my perception before of healing was, you know, like go to church, you get hit on the head and say, oh, you're healed and throw your wheelchair. Mm. I didn't realize when you say healing, it's healing the entire being. Like a person, you know, you want to be emotionally stable. Mm. You know, you want to be mentally clear. And at the same time, you want to have inner peace. So anything other than that, the person needs an improvement or a healing in those aspects in their life. And you said about the I am. And if you talk about it, if you ask the person, okay, who you are? I go, no, oh, no, I, I, I'm a person who I go to work, I have a job, I retire, I die. It's like it's so meaningless. Mm. But if you start to understand that the I am... It's literally 
the real you. So when you say, I'm moving my body, when you move your arm, <coughs> literally, it's not your brain cells. Uh, it's not your, you didn't say, oh, my brain cells are sending signals down to my arm. You say, I'm moving my arm. Mm -hmm. And when you say, oh, um, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling happy. What do you mean by feeling happy? You didn't say your brain didn't create a certain emotion. The I am, you say, I am, this being is generating an emotion called happiness or sadness. And you say, oh, I'm thinking of a car. Uh -huh. Who's the thinker? <coughs> I am. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the car. So the thinker goes through a process to produce these thoughts. So when all is said and done, I am is the mover of the body, mm -hmm. the creator of feelings, the feeler of feelings. This I am is the thinker of the thoughts. So if you don't know who this I am is, you become a slave to your body, your emotions, and your thoughts. Do you get my... Mm, you I totally, yeah. And so most people, you look at their life, you know, they have difficulty having mastery over their life because their circumstances around them control the I am. Mm -hmm. They give away their power. So the fundamental knowing that every soul, every person should know is, who is this I? When you say, when somebody uh, talks to you and you get emotionally upset, you go, wait, I'm emotionally upset, but I allow them to, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to do that to me. They push my buttons. Mm -hmm. Because if they scream and yell, but I choose not to, mm -hmm. I have that choice. But people say, well, I can't help it. Really? I can guarantee you anybody with a right compelling reason can control their emotions. For example, you're stressed out of your mind, you're screaming and yelling, and then somebody shows up at the door, your boss or somebody really important, what do you do? You open the door, you smile, say, mm -hmm. hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm perfectly fine. You know, right on the spot, you can do that. Somebody yeah. puts a gun in your head, hey, you can create emotion, any emotion you like. Yes. So it shows that by knowing who the I am is, you regain your power. Mm -hmm. And whether you're male, you're female, or whatever it is your gender, knowing this I am gives you the inner strength to deal with life. It has for me in the last year. And, and the, the beauty uh, is that you never arrive at I am. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you, you, you find yourself in a status. Uh -huh. You find yourself in, 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 its, in its presence. But there's no arrival. Like to your point, is like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know <laughs> how little you know. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but the perspective of uh, I felt that perspective, man. Like I felt the perspective of um, of of the I am and the the thing of just being aware of the I am. Mm -hmm. I have felt that perspective over and over, and that awareness is often. What allows me to control my, well, I wouldn't say control, what allows me to feel my emotions and not be a slave of them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when, because the I am provides the certitude, the, the certainty to the levels that I've gained so far. Mm -hmm. And there's so much more. Um, but everything is under question <laughs> uh. for me. Everything is under question. And if, if, if in, I'm struggling in an area of life, um, to me, it's because I haven't discovered the I am in that mm -hmm. area as uh, as as much as I I should by this time. Um, what has been your experience with, particularly with men? Because uh, at the end of the day, like uh, our audience are uh, men, uh, married men with kids, and what has been your experience with, um, you know, over the past thirty years? How open are men to this concept versus? Uh, woman that, that seemed to be more open on on this aspect. What has been your experience? Well, what I notice is even I can speak for myself. Yeah, too. yes. You know, normally, of course, this is generalizing. There's always going to be exceptions. 
men have a tendency to be more direct. Uh. Okay, men have to be more logical, more left brain in general. Women are more intuitive, more sensitive. So when it comes to spiritual teachings, when it comes to things that are intangible, men have to say, "Hey, I don't see it. I don't believe it." Women, on the other hand, they get this. Oh, I have a feeling about this person. They go to a class. They go to an event. They go. You have a good feeling about it. I don't have a good feeling about it. So when it comes to men, you have to be able to put it in a way that is tangible enough and logical enough for them, for them to say, okay, I get it. And uh, personally, I noticed that when I teach classes, when we have more men than women, which is rare, yeah, <laughs> okay, because when you talk about spiritual stuff, you have a tendency to attract more women. Correct. All right. So the men in the class, I do notice that initially they're like um, a hard nut to crack. Yes. Okay. They're like, okay, show me. You know, the arms are crossed and everything. But I say, look, why don't we do it this way? Let's go ahead and analyze the information. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss it, make you understand it. We'll do some experiments, and then you make your own conclusion. Yes. And so I noticed if I approach it that way, the person says, okay, I got nothing to lose. Let's give it a shot. Yes. I noticed that if you approach men that way in any topic, there's a tendency for you to be able to break through that wall. Yes. And when it comes to women, you just have to, you know, be sincere, be transparent, be open. They accept you. Yes. Men, on the other hand, well, show me. Yes. So it's a different perception. Yes. Uh, so when it comes to spiritual stuff, intangible things, you have to ap- appeal to the left brain Got it. of the men to be able to get through. Got it. Uh, so, you know, your audience, right? And you're very intuitive and you can sense energy and feel energy. Do, do you see the the, uh, the blockage? of uh, at, Let's say the conference begins and do you see that men block their energy initially? Initially, they do. Initially, okay. And you, you can tell by the facial expression. You can feel like when you're talking to them, they're saying yes to your face, but you can feel like it's not getting to you. Just like talking to your kid. You tell your son, <laughs> your daughter, hey, did you do this? And the kid goes, yes, mom, yes, dad. You go, no, you don't. How do you know? I can sense it. And that's because you can sense that the energy is not flowing. Got it. But I do notice one thing, though. If you have some a, a tough nut, somebody's like, yeah, I don't believe in this crap. Yeah. Right? But once they get it, man, they go all out. Yeah, okay. Because that's the way most men think. It's like it's a straight line. Got it. If they don't get it, there's no other avenues. Yes. But once they get it, they go all out. But at least that's what I know. So it, in uh, in what we do here at Warrior Week and the experiences that we have for men, uh, you know, Warrior Week is an awakening experience. It's an experience a guy comes in and just goes through a roller coaster of emotion, logic, and the body also gets serves them to to go through all this for this five days. But one of the one of the things that we 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 notice, and this is true, for, I would I I if I give myself permission to say that for all men is that ultimately being a man is is at least to today's definition is a being being a man is defined by being among men. So if I'm a man, I have I and I'm among a group of men, I'm able to define myself. And when I do, I realize that us, the group, we are both competing for two things. Um, female and as well as resources on this planet. Okay. <laughs> Maybe money to some extent. Uh, so that sense of competition puts us in circles, in groups, in gangs, in whatever you want to call it. And we tend to protect in that that group that we're in, that that we belong in, and this one, which ultimately what I've studied is that the truth doesn't need to be defended. Mm-hmm. You don't like the truth is it does the truth stands alone, period. And men 
we tend to always associate and and march in battalion to defend the truth. When in reality, the truth doesn't need to be defended. So why do we as men get together and try to defend an ideology and get protective around it? And so this is my personal observation, by the way. This has nothing to do with like this. I'm not saying the world turns like this. But what I'm looking at that this has created different divisions between men. Think about religion. Think about countries. Think about associations. Think about sports clubs. There is just these circles of associations that have separated to some extent us from us. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a concept that we go through and we teach uh, the men that come into Warrior Week because ultimately the group of men that start together, they end up being very close to each other. But our, our teaching is not around, hey, this is just you against the world, but this is an invitation for others to be like you. Like there is no separation. Your task is to close the gap between you and another version of you that exists, which is another man or and you know another another dad, another husband. So, the point I'm getting at is, what has been your observation specifically around men and behavior of men, and how they associate and how they separate this separation? Um, you know, the easiest part is just to point finger and say racism, but it's not only that; mm -hmm. it's separation by association. Okay, the biggest thing I think, Sam, to to help a man understand this, because that has to be my own understanding, yeah. is, you know, it, like in meditation and spirituality, most people think it's you concentrate to get things done, mm. all right? But in reality, spiritual practice or anything that you want to accomplish, with it, what the Chinese say, yin and yang. Mm. Yang is the the male force, the driving force. Yin is the receiving force. Okay, just to kind of put it together. So, when a person has a tendency to separate, like. I'm with my group, you're your group, that's because they're very focused only on concentrating or pointing the energy. Now, what I've noticed personally with myself and a lot of, not just men and women, but people who are more masculine, okay, in the way they do things like, oh, let's get uh -huh. things done, you know, let's just drive it through the wall and get it done, is the second part, which is the yin aspect or the sensitivity aspect, and that's connected to the heart. That's why you notice that you can be very willful, very directed, but man, that same guy who can, you know, can, you know, drive their fist through a wall can be very gentle, can be very loving, and very, very sensitive to someone they really care about. Mm -hmm. And I think the secret really is balancing those two. Mm -hmm. Once you're able to stimulate your heart mm -hmm. and your heart is more open, this heart allows you to be more sensitive to say, look, my perception of truth and your perception of truth can both be the same, it's just that we're seeing it from different angles, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, when we talk about racism, uh, sexism, whatever, all of that is because we just think it's this way and not the other way. Mm -hmm. Why can it be possible that what you think a woman should be and what I think a woman should be could be the same if you're looking from a perspective of a father, I'm looking from a perspective of a brother. Yes. And once we open our hearts more, and that's the thing, you know, once the heart is open, you become more sensitive, become more aware. That's the key word. Awareness of what's going around you. Yes. And to really say, look, me being aware and being sensitive to what people feel and being aware of it does not take away from me being a real man. Yes. Because some people say, yeah, but you know, I'm a man. I should be like stone cold and everything. But you don't realize being a true man is to be able to master yourself. Mm -hmm. And being able to master yourself means, look, I can get things done. I can drive my fist through a wall. I can, you know, do take massive action. But at the same time, I could be the most gentle, most loving, most caring person 
at the same time. Yes. And the balancing of this will and awareness or will and love aspect within you is what allows you to get things done, be a, you know, uh, a great overachiever, and at the same time, be loved by many. That's beautiful. And you know, uh, one, of, one of the things that if you look at, if you look at, they, they can take everything from us, right? Mm-hmm. Everything. They can take everything. They can take our T-shirt. They can take this headset. They can take our money. They can take our shoes. They, they can, we can also, we can be in the jail and they can take our freedom. But there's one thing that they cannot take from us. And that's what you teach. And that's compassion. Mm-hmm. Com- they cannot take it away from me. They cannot take it away from you. I, like Nelson Mandela, right? For how many years he was in jail, mm-hmm. and and so if he he if when he came out, they they couldn't take away his compassion. Yeah, he didn't start a war against injustice that took him place in like so many years, and so that's a manifestation and a proof that this this concept of of open heart that you're talking about. So for years, I would go around before meeting you. For years, I would go around and just identify people as, oh, that person has a big heart. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, has that person, because they were so... But I came to realize this year, the science behind this thing called heart. And I learned that from you. And it's, it's the esti- stimulation of the energy inside of the heart. Mm-hmm. And it stores that. And as you open your valve and you become open, it's able to flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody is able to somehow stimulate it. Not everybody is able to open that. Does that make sense, uh, uh-huh. uh, because, you can op- because you can stimulate it, but the question is, can you harness its uh, qualities? Mm. That's different from person to person. And you know, it's interesting, you talk about compassion. This is a story of uh, one of the monks that uh, visited the Dalai Lama. Okay. And uh, if the different version of this story, but the story c- is something like this. This monk has been imprisoned and tortured by their captors. I think you know, the Chinese took over Tibet and, yeah. and all that stuff. Anyway, let's not get political. <laughs> but so the story was this monk got tortured. When he came back, when he was able to finally be released and came out, he went to the Dalai Lama and he said, you know, because of what they did to me, I almost lost my compassion to, do to my captors. And it just shows you that even with all that time, he was able to maintain that until he was almost close to a breaking point of not being able to, compassion, to be compassionate, then he was released. Now, that might sound simple, but if you think of most people, would that be the last thing they have for someone who's torturing them to have compassion, right? Yes, they yes, get even, yes. They go, I can't believe this guy. So it just shows you that when a person has a strong connection within, oh. they're able to hold that for a long, long time. It allows us, allows us to forgive, allows us to let go, allows us to move on when things are difficult because we don't, if you don't have that compassionate heart, there's a tendency to be pointing fingers and blaming. Uh-huh. And one of the things I can, if I can share, of course, yeah. quickly, I was in Bhutan this year. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> and um, you know, I had the opportunity to visit many sacred sites and I was a guest of the queen. Yes. There are four queens, by the way. Yes. So one king, four queens. Just to kind of give you an <laughs> idea. One king married four sisters yes. at the same time. It's legal in that country, right? <laughs> Anyway, so that queen, she's also a pranic healer. She teaches pranic healing and so on. So I was her guest. It's interesting. Wherever I travel, she has one of the royal guards uh, escorting me. Yeah. And you know, it's not. You think of a guard like, oh, person very, very military, very stern. No, he's the kindest, nicest guy. And whenever we talk, he says, you know, um, we have so many saints, yogis, uh, monks come through Bhutan, and. Do you know what is the underlying teaching they all, they all teach us? 
He said all of them say the same thing, just in different ways. The ability to forgive is one of the highest, if not one of the highest spiritual qualities a person can have. Because you cannot, you cannot control what people do to you. But if you know who you are, you can control how you respond to them. Mm. So the ability to forgive and let go is one of the main, main teachings all these spiritual teachers say. Mm-hmm. And that ability to forgive and let go is a byproduct of a compassionate heart. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, you also met the Dalai Lama on that trip. That same trip, yeah. yeah that was the first time? The first time. First, you, you mentioned something in the class that, uh, you know, when, when a person uh, stimulates over and over his heart and is able to transfer that more and more, the, 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 if you want to, like, visualize this, the diameter of the pipe of that energy going through that person gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and, uh, and when you're around that person, you can feel <laughs> that you can sense the diameter. Can you talk about the experience that you had being uh, close to Dalai Lama and, and from this perspective? Well, here's the funny part. You know, uh, <laughs> it was not planned, okay? <laughs> and the person who, who owned the hotel that I was staying at, yeah. He was telling me, oh, the Dalai Lama stays at our hotel. Would you like to meet him? I go, yeah. What do, you, what do you mean? So it's funny. When he came in, I'm talking about being starstruck, you know. Whoa. It's like if you're Catholic, you see the Pope. Yeah. Right? So anyway, I had an opportunity to be with him for maybe 10, 15 minutes. Yes. I mean, that's pretty much it because he was traveling. His body was tired. So he rested. But I can tell you, in that 10, 15 minutes, you could feel very peaceful happy. It's hard to, we didn't really talk about anything deep. We just yes. say, hi, hello, what do you do? And all that stuff, right? And the funniest thing of all, for the next three hours, yes, I kid you not, I was giddy, I was smiling. There's nobody around me. I wasn't myself. I was just laughing and just happy. Yes. And I realized the last time I experienced that was 30 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, when I was with my teacher and he gave me a certain energy blessing that opened the heart. Yes. And for the next few hours, I was, I mean, imagine like a crazy person, but I was just going like, <laughs> like what the heck is wrong with me? And you just feel this joy within you. Yes. And if you think about it, an everyday person, even we don't have, you don't have to meet the Dalai Lama or, or somebody of a great spiritual um, stature. If you think about it, if you try to remember, you know, when you fell in love, when your child was born, something very, very happy, and you just take that event, mm. that feeling, and stretch it. Okay, that's what it felt like. And it's not like you're trying, oh, I'm trying to be happy. You just feel it, really go into your heart and really let it permeate throughout your body. That's what people call bliss. Mm. Quick question for you, Master. This is interesting. Is happiness a feeling or it's a static? Like, would you say happiness is a feeling? Because at the end of the day, what is a feeling, right? What is happiness, Master? Master Happiness can be, you know, without getting too technical about it. Happiness, obviously, is a feeling. You talk to anybody. Yeah. Happiness is a state. Happiness is a certain frequency of energy. Mm-hmm. And since that's what I specialize in, so you notice when you're with someone who's angry and upset, unless you can control or you have a better perception of where you are at that time, they can infect you. Okay? Okay. It's the same thing with happiness. When a person is very, very happy, that energy radiates from them, and you're with them for a few minutes, you just say, you know, I'm not trying, but I just feel uplifted. So, you know, you're right, it's an emotion, it's a feeling, it's a state. But when all is said and done, it's a frequency of energy. And since you understand it as a frequency of energy, if you can keep generating that energy, you can permeate yourself and you can 
infect other people. Yes. Make people happy. Yes. Right? Yes. So when all is said and done, it's a choice. What would be the relation, uh, Master Go, between happiness and compassion? When you're happier, it's easier to be compassionate. Hmm. Okay? But it also means that when you're not happy, it's going to be harder, but you can still choose to be compassionate. For example, when somebody hurts you, okay, you know, you really have to try very hard to be compassionate to them. But if somebody's very loving to you, they need help, it's easy to be compassionate. Mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, yes. So one is easier, one's difficult, but in the end, you can still make the choice to be compassionate regardless of happy or not. Wow. Um, in all your years of travel and teaching, what, and this is an interesting, what, what location has been, uh, name four locations that have been the most spiritual location for you. And it could be, hey, you know, it, could, it doesn't need to be four locations that, that, uh, that touch your heart, Master Ko. Well, the top of the list, obviously, Bhutan. Bhutan, okay. Yeah, that's the place because uh, my teacher's teacher, uh, Guru Padmasambhava, who brought Buddhism to Tibet, uh, traveled in Bhutan for many years, so it has a lot of that spiritual force that you could feel. Uh, the other place, obviously, would be India. Okay. You know, I've been to India at least five, six times. Yeah. And when we have spiritual retreats there or there's a conference, you could really feel that that's one thing in people's minds. Yes. Okay, of course, you're generalizing the whole of India is... Spiritual, that's not the case. Yeah, yes, yes. Places, yeah. the art, places, uh, that's not. Um, the other places, I would say, are spread with so many, I cannot name them, but this I can share with you and your audience, is a spiritual place is where you make it. <laughs> okay? In other words, you, I carry it with me mm. because I cannot always control my environment. Mm. And so when I travel, oh, I need to teach a class. I need to put myself in the right spiritual space so I can be in my hotel room, you know, clean the room energetically with sandalwood, play om. Mm. When all is said and done, I go into my meditation. That's my spiritual place. You make it. You make it because you cannot control outside, but you can control the inside. That is beautiful. Um, one of the locations that I recently uh, came across, somebody was sharing this two days ago. Is this place in China? I don't know exactly where it is. I don't even know the, no, the name, but I can describe it. Maybe no. It's this place where there are these thousands of warriors statues. Uh, this emperor, maybe the first yeah, emperor. And the yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What? Are, have you visited that place? Believe it or not, my body's Chinese. I've never been to China. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> I was sharing this with my, my, my with my friend uh, Sang. He's he's uh, Vietnamese. He goes. Are you kidding me? That's where my uncles are. I'm going to go see all my uncles. <laughs> so anyways, it's a special place because um, how I resonated with that is this, is that this emperor, the minute he was assigned as an emperor, he started building. Mm -hmm. He started building all his warriors, all these warriors that would be his army. And he started, he started, he had the certainty and the certitude that when he would die, which is something that he didn't know what, what is after, that he would he would continue to to be the emperor, and so therefore he wanted to make a symbol that we will rise. Uh -huh. um, pretty symbolic, and but I have to respect it because he was certain about it. Mm -hmm. What is your perspective about certainty? What does certainty do to a man, uh, Master Go? Well, Sam, in anything we do, if you have if you don't have certainty, there's lack of flow of energy. Yeah. So in my personal life, and also in, in what I do, when I'm certain about something, you don't have any doubt, in your mind, it's done. Mm -hmm. So when you have certainty, 
it's just like two things already happened in your mind, in your images, in your the creative mind, it's done. Yeah. And so when you do it, you're it's just like a pipe where the energy is flowing through, and you have more energy. So for example, in healing, yes, when I know I I've treated thousands of back pain patients. Yes. When I get on stage and I ask anybody in the stage in the audience, okay, you have thousands of people who has back pain. When they show up on stage, I have certainty. Look, I've done this thousands of times. I can make your back pain reduce or go away. Yes. Now, if it's something that I haven't done before, I have no practice, I'm not really sure. Uh, is this going <laughs> to work? Right? Yeah. So, in anything you do, if you're prepared, you're mentally strong, you have certainty, you'll get things done. Without certainty, it's like you do things half-cooked. So, so it's fair to say the minute you pour in the energy of certainty behind an action, it's already done. Yes. It's already done. In the, en in the energy world, it's done. I mean, I just give you a very simple example. I play soccer every Sunday with a group of guys, really fun. And there are some days when I, I actually tell them something, I, I will score a goal. Mm -hmm. I, I will score a goal. And when I do that, energetically, I put the certainty behind it that I'm going to score, mm -hmm. and it happens. When I don't do that, I, I kind of leave it up to the chaos to decide whether I can be assigned a goal or not. Um, so there's this getting it, and there is this, okay, here's your, you're assigned by, by the universe, by the lottery, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, what is your experience with that in life? Like going after one thing versus waiting for chaos to handle you something. Well, you know, since you talk about certainty, you can generate the conditions to create certainty. Mm, mm, mm. And that's one of the things where there, there's two types of people. There are people who make things happen yes. and let things happen to them. Yeah. All right? So I remember with Tony, he says, you know, life uh, is what life is to you or for you. Did mm. life do it to you or did life, if things happen for you? Yeah. And so when you have certainty, you say, look, for, you know, soccer, sports, anything you want to accomplish. You're in sales, right? You're in business, yes. you want to make money. You can say, look, well, you know, based on karma, based on this in the universe, it, what will happen will happen. But the person who makes things happen say, look, there's two things. Like they say in the Buddhist tradition, if you, if you don't mind, uh, in the yeah. Buddhist tradition, there's this thing called causes and conditions, mm -hmm. right? And causes and conditions basically says in anything in life, there's always these two things. Yes. Okay. You have to have the soil, and you have to have the seed. Yes. If you just have the seed, you don't have the soil, nothing happens. Yes. And if I can share the story. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Is it the guy on the bridge you're going to yes. say? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was going to ask you. Okay. I have so good intuitions. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a famous story in yes. the Buddhist tradition. Somebody crossing the bridge. The bridge collapsed. The guy died. So somebody asked the Buddha, what happened? The Buddha said, look, it's a matter of causes and conditions. The conditions are the current is strong. Uh, the bridge is old, it's all beat up and everything. So somebody says, well, of all the thousands of people crossing, why was that unlucky guy, the guy who crossed and he collapsed? The Buddha said, well, he's the only one who carried the cause. Because, you know, what goes around comes around. He's done this to somebody before, caused him to die in a similar situation. So he carried the seed of karma, if you will. Yeah. And the conditions are there. Now, if you look at life, it's the same thing. You know, there are people who work very, very hard but they don't have the luck. They don't have the breaks. And there's some people who hardly work. A little bit of opportunity comes up, their life takes off. Yes. So if you look at it that way, it gives you an idea that you do have control. Yes. The conditions are such, 
you make proper preparation. Yes. Right? You have a good education. If you have a project, you plan things out, all the details, you hire the right people, get the right resource. That's handling the condition. Yes. Now, what is the seed? The seed is you two things. One, you have to have the right mindset. Mindset is look, I can do this. Everything's already taken care of. I have to have certainty. Yes. That's one. Number two, you talk about you think about it. Look, another part of the seed is I want this to be successful because I want to help other people yes. become more successful. Yes. So that proper attitude within you generates the right seed within you. So by the time you have the right seed and you have the right soil, which are the conditions, you put yes. it together, you're going to succeed. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, let's come back and talk about meditation. So I'll share my story. So Please. For, I'm 42. So for 41 years, I kind of dismissed meditation. Like I, yeah, Some people, at first I made fun of it. Then I started learning about it and like here at Warrior and what we do, and this is one of our practices, I started avoiding it. <laughs> okay. So I, I started avoiding it and I, I, and I had this, this, sto- this story that, like, hey, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to meditate. I'm just a very busy guy. And that was my story for years. So I'd rather do something versus not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I come across your class and we meditate and uh, and something happened uh, almost nine months ago. For the first time, meditation had a purpose behind it. And um, so two things happened, Mexico. One was there was a keyword that enabled meditation for me uh, inside of the meditation that we did together. Um, and that was uh, the word let go. Mm-hmm. That was That's a trigger. And when the minute that is said, and I know you say a couple of times because I do it too now as I teach. The minute that it said, it triggers. It it triggers. It starts it, um, and at that point, it doesn't matter if it's five minutes or twenty five minutes. It 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 has begun, um, and the second part was to to seek this stillness, uh, but not for peace, not for not trying to think about anything, but simply to be in stillness and His presence. That's that's what went in my mind, and I started doing it by myself, and I. I was pulled to it rather than say, oh, I have to do it. And I was like, I get to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I started like teaching uh, in the class of 12 guys, 18 guys, smaller class. And then, and then started teaching in a bigger class, 200, 300. And then there were some woman classes I participated in. I was on the stage and I, I sent some pictures to you as well. And it grew and grew and grew. And just recently, three days ago, we did it with over 1,200 guys in one room, mm-hmm. all men, and we went through it, and there, there was stillness for seven to ten minutes. You know how active guys are, changing feet position. You couldn't hear one single voice. And so th- what I learned in all this is one thing from you is teach it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's what you learned 30 years ago from your spiritual master. And from that space, all he wanted for you was to teach it. So as long as you teach, the mission is to teach. And, uh, you know, often I, I had, you know, I'd be very honest with you. Like six months ago, I had this dilemma. I had, It was like the movie Lord of the Ring. You know, when he finds the rings, like, ah, oh, my precious. This is my <laughs> learning. So I had that kind of feeling. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep this for myself. Like, this will be my secret weapon. And, and I learned to give it away. And ever since I've done that, I am called and pulled to find any opportunity that I get to make sure that I teach it or give it away. Um, so I want to thank you for that because I, I wouldn't have that perspective. Like, 
this meditation that we had with 1,200 guys just three days ago would not happen if, first of all, I wouldn't learn from you. Second of all, if I wouldn't be in a place where I would have the willingness to give it away, mm -hmm. where I let go of, ah, oh, this, uh, <laughs> this is mine. And so that has been the biggest shift in my life, which is teach what teach what you want right which is the golden rule that you taught us it's like it's been taught for many years is that give that what you want and so inside of that i wanted to personally thank you for that because that has been a major shift and i have a request for you since we're live in an audience probably i don't know 15 to 20,000 men listening to this uh why don't we allow you to teach them if we can take us through maybe a five minute meditation right here sure okay. so that that because that's what i tell them as you go i said like if you come to, if you just use this to empower yourself, then you have the source. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, to make people know what we're doing. Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> because one, one of the things that we always tell people is, look, when you have an experience, that's great. Yes. But if you don't know the process that got to that experience, then the ability to re replicate it is almost zero. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Because if you don't have the recipe of this great dish. Yes. Then it's great uh, when you eat it. Yeah, but then you go, okay, how do I get there? <laughs> yeah. But if you have the recipe to get there, uh -huh. then you can do it over and over again. Let's give them the recipe, Master Go. <laughs> okay, it's simpler than most people think. Okay. All right? So the secret is this. If you wanted to experience stillness, you have to put your attention on stillness. All right? Most people say, oh, I want to be still. I want to be quiet. So I don't want to think about stress. I don't want to think about anger. I don't want to think about this. The fact that you say, I don't want to think of something, you're putting your attention there. It's just like saying, don't think of a pink elephant. That's a classic people thing. So what do you do? You think of a pink elephant. Mm. So the secret is as simple as if you think of your anything that happens in life, there's always a gap. Mm. When you inhale, before you exhale, there's a gap or a space. When you exhale, before you inhale, there's a space. If you count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, no matter how fast you say it in your mind, okay, forget 10, you just do 3. 1, 2, 3. One, two, three. One, two, three. You know, as fast as you do it, there's no way for you to avoid the space in between the numbers. Okay. So any feeling you have, any thought you have, anything you do in life, there's always going to be a gap or a space in between actions, thoughts, and emotions in your breath. So the way we're going to do this is as simple as this. We're going to use the breath because most people, when you think of meditation, oh, let's focus on the breath. Now, there's two parts to this. When you say when I, when I teach at Google or any of these corporate places, and I said, okay, we're going to do meditation. How many of you have done meditation on the breath? Everybody raised their hand. Oh, I inhale, I watch my body inhale, I watch my body exhale. That's nice. That works for everyone. However, simple rule. You become what you put your attention to. And as long as you're putting your attention on something that moves, which is your breath, mm. right? You're mm. inhaling, mm. you're saying mm. there's movement. You'll experience calmness, but never stillness. Stillness. So the stillness is only in the gap in between the inhale and exhale and exhale and the inhale. So we're going to guide you through this in a very, very simple manner. All you have to do is close your eyes. Of course, if you're driving, don't, don't do this. Yeah. Okay? Just close your eyes. Put your tongue on the roof of your mouth to establish the energetic connection. All right? Now gently exhale. Now inhale slowly. Hold. Exhale slowly. Hold. Inhale slowly. Hold. Exhale slowly. Hold. Inhale slowly. 
hold. Now allow your awareness to just simply drift into that hold and stay there. And exhale gently. And hold. Allow your attention to drift into that hold in that space. Then inhale slowly again. Hold. Now allow your attention to just drift into that space of nothingness. And stay there. Allow your attention to drift deeper and deeper there. As your consciousness stays there, just allow your body to exhale on its own. As you leave your attention in that space. Your body will continue to inhale and exhale on its own. As your consciousness and your awareness and attention drifts deeper and deeper in that space of nothing. And stay there. Wherever you are, any sound, any noise you hear, we just simply allow you to go deeper, drift deeper into that nothingness. And stay there. Now. And let go. And let things be on its own. With absolutely no effort on your part, just like a boat drifting into the sea, just let your attention drift deeper and deeper into that ocean of nothing. Now, let go. You're in a very safe space. And just let go. Now, Go deeper into that stillness. very very slowly come back to your normal waking consciousness take your time to speed it up gently wiggle your fingers wiggle your toes very gently and slowly maintain that stillness and awareness as you slowly 
open your eyelids and come back. <laughs> How was that? Always good. <laughs> Always very good. Um, that's what it is. Yeah, just that's the source. Thing. Yeah. And so for years I was seeking this, not knowing that it was seeking me. <laughs> <laughs> good way to put it. <laughs> so uh, I want to thank Master Go for being here. Uh, boy, the you know we said we're gonna do 30 minutes. I think we did an hour, but just time flies whenever I'm around you. Um, and so, um, Master Go, one of the things that I want to have our uh, audience look at is where they can find more about uh, your teachings. I know you have some online classes. My my recommendation is definitely to make the travels, because you travel all across the world to have these events. You have them in Chicago, you have them in Los Angeles, you have them all over the place. Uh, where can people go to find out the schedule about these live events and online courses? Uh, <clears throat> the easiest one is to go to masterco.org, M-A-S-T-E-R-C-O okay. org, And that's where it has uh, the place they can go to for classes. We even have uh, links to free clinics that they can go to for sessions. Yes. Uh, that's one. And then for the more in-depth information, they can go to pranichealing.com. Pranichealing.com. So, so just imagine there's the word panic with an R in it. <laughs> <laughs> These people call us. I want to learn about panic healing. Well, we do that too. <laughs> but it's called panic with an R. Uh, your next event, I believe, one of the next event that is going to be local here, it's in San Diego. It's going to be a retreat on uh, for uh, uh, the yoga. The Arhatic yoga. That's yep. in... March. March, okay. Uh, in order to get there, you have to have the foundation classes, which is coming up in... Uh, which in is January. all the certificates I have here. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> that's why I have the dates of that <laughs> one. Did, yeah. So, so I, I look forward to that. It's a three-day retreat, right? Three day, three and a half days okay. of intense. We do like four or five meditations a day. Like the one you just experienced. Yes, yes. Yeah. We go deeper and extend it for an hour. Wow, okay. Of that. Okay. We do that three, four times a day for three and a half days. That's great. So I'll be on that one, definitely. Um, I have it in my schedule. I look forward to seeing you then. Uh, hopefully, I see you before. Uh, I wanted to thank you for being a teacher and mentor to me and so many others oh, that right. I touch because of your teaching. And uh, I want to thank... Uh, yeah, I want to really thank you. So thank you for being here. Thank you for making the time to drive here after long travels. And uh, any final words, Master Go? Just with anything else, you have great ideals, you have... Uh, good intentions, all of it means nothing if you don't do it. So let it be, let it be, let it be. Gentlemen, thanks for uh, listening to our podcast here every week. We look forward to seeing you next week on our next podcast. Take care.